I'm Tom Morello, host of Maximum Firepower, a weekly podcast focusing on the music, the moments, and the movements that have shaped my worldview and left an indelible mark on me as an artist and activist. Correct with Maximum Firepower. You and me. This is Tom Morello's Maximum Firepower. I'm Tom Morello, and this is Maximum Firepower. My esteemed guest today is Danny Clinch, the renowned rock photographer. Danny, how are you today? I'm stoked to be here with you. Thank you very much for coming on. And now, Danny, we have been acquainted for quite some. Danny Clinch has, has taken some of the most iconic rock and roll and hip hop and punk rock photographs of all time from. Beasties to Tupac to Rage Against the Machine to, of course, doing a number of Bruce Springsteen album covers and whatnot. Uh, but when did you and I first meet? I was scratching I was my head on that one, to think thinking of that myself. But you know what? Maybe it was the concerts for a free Tibet with the Beastie Boys. Ah, that could very well be. That could very well be. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I had fir- that portrait set up there. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then the mm-hmm. first time, though, that we, I think it was you were shooting Rage photos for. Did you shoot Rage Against the Machine photos before those final shows at the Olympic Auditorium? Because you took these, like, there's, like, some of the most classic Rage Against the Machine shots are, like, back, it was actually Rage's last show before a seven-year hiatus, you know, after those shows at the Olympic, and you took some great shots backstage where we're kind of sweating on a couch. But that was just only the beginning of a long rock photographer relationship that you and I have had. What are your memories about that night, first of all? It was the last Rage shows for a long time, and you took the photos of it. You know, I felt like um, there was just a really kind of crazy energy going on there. I was, you know, kind of getting to know you guys at the same time. And it felt to me like it was kind of historic because I, mm-hmm. I, I'm i not sure. Did everybody else know that these were the last two shows or was we it? Did, uh, we, didn't, we didn't know. It just didn't feel like there was that there might be much more. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So the Battle of Los Angeles was 1999, right? It was 1999. Because I did photographs for... Oh yeah, so then, yeah. That, so there that, was that, before that, that preceded that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You did the yeah, you did the back, we did the, the back, album packaging, the yeah. back the back cover for that. Yeah, yeah. So, exactly. so it must have yeah. it must have been at the Tibetan Freedom shows where we first became acquainted. I mean, the mm-hmm. thing, the, yeah, the one I think thing so. about like one of the things that, for those of you listening that is just a horrible part. Generally, a horrible part of being in a band is having to do photo shoots. It's horrible and you know maybe you think like the first the first couple you're like excited because somebody actually wants to take a picture of you and your band and then from like photo shoot number three to photo shoot three thousand it's absolutely miserable and you just have to especially if you come from sort of a background of like there are some stars that are maybe sort of made for photo shoot taking and then there are those that just right. would prefer to play rock shows and then live their lives danny clinch right. is the cure for that let me just like he's like oh i love it you're, I love you're, that. you're the cure for that because i remember there were plenty of times well first of all there were plenty of times where there were no rage against the machine photo shoots but there are plenty of times where we would just say you have between two and four minutes to take this cover shoot for your german rolling stone or whatever and it's probably yeah. near the two minute mark you know and so then they would always go, but no, we must do the thing. We, I have got four, four <laughs> setups and I've got to, you know, I want you to show me yeah. your rage. And like Danny's a complete opposite. Yeah. He's kind of like, he's like, yeah, two to four minutes. That'll be, we'll get it. That'll be great. And we're like, really? You're like, yeah, I'm happy with that. I'm like, awesome. You could, we'll give you an hour. <laughs> <laughs> it worked. My evil it plan worked. worked. I recall one time James Hetfield quote was, 
Danny clinches the fly on the wall that you don't want to squish. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> it. That's a, if there's something, and I don't know. I mean, you, perhaps you, I don't know if you've given this much thought, but expound on it now. Is it's a very very different vibe taking pictures with you than with really any other photographer. Is that like sort of your homespun New Jersey-ness? Is it your roots in a kind of scene that is akin to some of the bands you've shot? Well, to what do you attribute that? You know, I feel like it's a lot of things. I mean, I haven't seen a lot of other photographers' photo shoots, like when you're doing yeah. a one-on-one with a yeah, band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I feel like um, I just learned early on from, really, from my my folks, like, treat people the way you want to be treated. You know, treat them with respect. I've seen a lot of people do, like, the drama thing, like, create some drama and make people all, like, nervous and anxious about what's going on. And that's not me. It's like, I want to have a good time. I want to collaborate a little bit. I come with some ideas to the shoot. And if um, something better comes along i'll do that if the band has an idea if they're bringing something to the table if not we just you know we work with the, the ideas that i have and and that sort of thing so I, I try to treat people properly i you know i try to create a good atmosphere you know i often go for some james brown radio for my yeah. uh, my <laughs> soundtrack you yeah know? so uh <laughs> but I, I i do i do have to say and I, and I know i've told you this before but but there is just something to the danny clinch vibe that makes it okay to do photo shoots with you and it's just never okay to do photo shoots so i mean i don't know that we're getting to the bottom of it right now but it really it really is true and and you can see it in a lot of the picture you know, like in like those beastie boy photos and, yeah. and you know in like the tupac photos and, and the bruce photos too it's like it's it's and I'm, perhaps Hetfield had it right where you know like you are the fly on the wall that you don't want to squish and most photographers are not the fly on the wall most photographers yeah. are like yeah. sort of front and center and you know I, I think that there's um the you know there's a couple of different ways you know one is you know you're shooting a live show one you're in the recording studio uh you maybe you're backstage uh, you guys are going over the set list writing it out maybe right. it's a portrait thing where I'm really directing people so there's a lot of different ways to do it. But it does, I think, all come down to respect of people. Yeah. And, you know, like you're on stage, you've got to stay out of the way of the guitar tech or you can't, you know, you're not, you're not, right. you're not in my photograph. I'm photographing your show. Right. So right, right, I'm right, staying right. out of the way. And like uh, when I'm in the recording studio or if I'm backstage, I'm trying not to insert myself into the conversation unless somebody asks me, you know, yeah. I'm just trying to sort of stay out of the way and, and document history. And I think. I think a lot of people, a lot of musicians, you know, that I know, whether it's you or Springsteen or Pearl Jam or, uh, you know, anyone for that matter, I feel like they want to be documented, but they just don't want to just let anybody in there who's going to yeah. just be a knucklehead. You yeah, know? that's I think that's um, I think you may so. have hit the nail on on the head there because it's like there's a zero mm -hmm. knucklehead factor. And also like normally like a normal photography session, they take like 200 photos of like the same thing. The, I think yeah. the first or second time we worked together, I just was like astounded. Like you went like click, click, click. Okay, let's. Uh, I'm like, those are like three clicks. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's important to be prepared as a photographer. You're going in there. You guys have done it a million times. I don't want to waste your time. Yeah. You know, so I don't want to be like fooling around with lights or what yeah. am I going to do next? I don't know. Yeah. You know, like that's. I think that's one of the key things is being prepared. And uh, especially if someone's got something else to do or they, you know, I want to be just moving. I'll, okay, yeah. great. Let's do that. Now let's go over here and we'll do this. And you know, we'll do that. And so you got to be prepared. I remember my, my first Bob Dylan shoot 
And the fact that I was like, oh, Lord, I'm going to be photographed. I'm going to be in the same room as Bob Dylan. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I was really prepared for it. And when he came in, I just, you know, treated him with respect. I didn't fanboy out on him. And I, and I got right to business. And it went smooth. So it was, um, you know. That could have gone either way. And you did. And I'm glad that it went it smooth. For him. I'm glad, I'm yeah. glad that it went smooth. Another thing is, is it was Pete Seeger's 90th birthday celebration and Pete Seeger, ever the humble activist, you know, person didn't want to do anything that was going to celebrate him. Right. So I think Bruce and some other, maybe Bob Ezra and some other people talked him into doing this thing at Madison Square Garden that would be a benefit for his favorite charity, which cleans up the Hudson. I think that was the thing. So that's how they like got Pete in the room to begin with. And so it's this, it's basically every living folk star in the world is there, you know, it's the, from Billy Bragg to the, so anyway, so, so Bruce and I, Bruce is headlining the show and Bruce and I incredibly are playing a song together. We're doing an acoustic version of ghost of Tom Joe together, which we're rehearsing backstage. And he and I, Bruce and I rehearse it backstage. He's got like, um, you know, there's a, there's a line of, you know, John Cougar Mellencamp's coming and everybody's sort of coming and kiss the ring and say whatnot. And we finish our rehearsal. And then I see Dan, I'm like, Danny, I'll let you tell the story from there because we were in the hallway okay. and we needed a plan. So I, right. So I show up and I'm like, oh, hey, this is great. I'm so stoked. And I, I said, listen, if you're going to go back and do anything with Bruce, like rehearse the tune, like, please let me know because I got to get the shot of you guys rehearsing together. And, and so Tom says, oh, man, I just came out of there. Like, I just came out of the room. You just missed it. And I was like, oh, nothing makes me you know, my fear of missing out. I just was like, Oh no. And then we kind of stopped and we both looked at each other. I think we had the same idea at the same time. And I said, isn't there that one part that you didn't really get that you want to go and ask him yeah, another the, question? The harmony, uh, the harmony on the chorus, I feel could, I feel could use, <laughs> use one more run. So I'm like, Hey Bruce, can we just go through that one more time? So I get the, and so, and you, you the pictures are, spectacular that one i've got hanging they in my are. office it's a spectacular of us they, of us legendary singing the ghost of tom joe anyway that was so funny because that i mean one of the things that i do like i like we're like danny's he's not just like of a he's like you're a co-conspirator you know what i mean like, yes uh, like we yes. were conspiring to get the thing we done were. there and and we got the thing done and it's a, <laughs> it, it made for a really really great can, absolutely candid picture all right so so let's talk about yeah. so then Tim and Brad and I enjoyed working with you so much that we invited you to do the audio slave pictures as well. Oh, and yeah. there were there was more than one audio slave shoot, you know, during that time. The first shots we had were at a at a time where Chris was not in the greatest health. And it was like a really sort of tumultuous couple of days of like trying to get like we're on the one hand, part of like the lifeline of what's gonna help this dude is for us to be a band and have some solidity, you know, in his life. But in order to do that, you have to do stuff like be at a photo shoot for a bunch of hours. And, and it felt like we were really sort of on a razor's edge of it not being okay. So if you want to share some of your memories from that day, that was, that was quite a photo shoot. These are the first audio slave mm. pictures. Well, I mean, you guys looked badass, which was, which was awesome. And, uh, I was su super honored to be the one to take the photographs and, but it was difficult. I remember Chris was late and I think we did, you know, push to another day yeah. at a certain point. And, yeah. um, and I, I do remember every time that I saw Chris afterwards, he would always apologize to me. And it was bittersweet, you know. Yeah. You know, that's how I got to know him, really. I didn't really know him before that. I, you yeah. know, and I appreciate that big yeah. time. But then we had, but then we had a more joyous photo shoot, uh, oh, which, yeah. yeah, which is, was that, 
when we were doing the show me how to live video with the car and whatnot. I'm not sure where it was. We had like a really awesome photo shoot with you. That was uh, that was in L.A. also. I feel like we yeah. rented a really cool old uh, building and, uh, you know, we spent the whole day there. And then we yeah. even filmed that little that little yep. short film, which was kind of yes. dope with yeah. the swinging uh, microphone and, yep. Yep. and yep. all that. Yeah. yeah, it was yeah. great. And then that day, like I have a I'm a fan of muscle cars and I have a 1971 Dodge Dart Demon 344 barrel Hemi Orange muscle car. And and so I was like, Danny, could you take the picture of Mike? And you did. And I, that's up in my studio, too. I've got a lot of Danny oh, yeah. up around my house. Yeah, but that's yeah. Uh, it's an awesome yeah. it's an awesome and, shot. And actually, uh, kind of one of the inspirations for uh, a book that I did, it's like a it's a limited edition book called uh, Motor Drive, of which Tom wrote the forward to. I mean, I'm a car lover as well, right? So Tom and I share that. And, you know, we did that session with your car. And then I realized I had done sessions with a lot of people with their cars or somebody on an airplane or on their yeah. motorcycle or in a tour bus. And so thus Motor mm. Drive, uh, yeah. to play on the camera. And uh, it's a really, it's a cool little book. And uh, we've got, I got Tom Waits in there and, and Hetfield and Bruce and, Neil Young on the back of his old Cadillac in his in his car graveyard up there and uh, oh awesome uh, and yeah so it's pretty dope. I'm Tom Morello and you're listening to Maximum Firepower. My guest today is esteemed rock photographer Danny Clinch. So talk for a minute about how did you get into the Bruce Springsteen world and how did that start? And uh, you know you're known for some of the most iconic Bruce Springsteen photos and have been on a, a fly on the wall for a long time in that world. But wh what was the genesis of that? You know, I mean, a gro growing up in New Jersey and, you know, being a Springsteen fan has uh, been exciting. You know, winning, winning. I think, Born to Run on the boardwalk on the Wheel of Chance. And, uh, you know, and then I, you know, as a photographer, I, I worked with uh, Annie Leibovitz uh, as an assistant for mm. a year. And it was great. And I, and I met Bruce for a minute during the Tunnel of Love shoot. You know, afterwards, I started my career, you know, shooting for Spin and Rolling Stone and trying to, you know, get my career career going. And it was just going pretty well. And some friends of mine helped me publish a book called Discovery In. And it was, um, you know, a lot of my early hip hop photographs, Public Enemy, LL Cool J, Nas, uh, some early Pearl Jam and uh, the Tupac stuff, uh, Johnny Cash, things like that. A lot of mm -hmm. black and white, really classic mm -hmm. imagery, you know, like stuff that really felt like really classic. And at a certain point, I decided to send the book to Bruce uh, via his, uh, the woman who was designing uh, his work at the time, Sandy Charon. And she, she took it to him and I, I put a note in there. I'm like, yeah, I'm a guy from Jersey. You know, <laughs> this is my book of photographs. If you ever need anyone, yeah. uh, hit me up, you know? And he, he loved the work and, and he was just getting together the E street band back together after all that time, mm -hmm. 1999. Mm -hmm. And, uh, she called me, it was March 16th. I got a call from Sandy Sharon for Bruce Springsteen. But before that, on the very same day, I got a call from Jeff Rosen, who is Bob Dylan's manager, and I got asked to shoot Bob Dylan on the same day. I had never <laughs> photographed either of them. <laughs> that's I mean, a national holiday. I would say, on the one hand, that's a good problem to have. On the other hand, that's a problem, yeah. right? That's <laughs> yeah. Well, they didn't ask me to do it on the same day, which was great. She said, well, Bruce wants to know if you want to come down to Fort Monmouth and, uh, and photograph uh, for the tour book that, you know, they're doing a tour and. And I literally yeah. teared up on my drive down there, you know, listening yeah. to the greetings from Asbury Park and thinking, oh, my yeah, Lord, I'm yeah. going to be, you know, photographing Bruce. And, you know, it was it was great. You know, I mean, you know, him. he really is just such a great guy yep. to be around and so welcoming. And he loves photography. He was 
mm-hmm. you know, curious. And he told me how much he liked my work and just said, you know, just, just hang out and we'll get whatever you need. I, I was doing a lot of documenting. And then I got to do a portrait of, um, you know, of each person in the band throughout the couple yep. of days I was there. And that was the start of it. And we, we did that. Uh, and then he asked me to, to photograph the rising. Uh, yeah. So I went down to uh, Brendan O'Brien's place, Southern Tracks, and I did all the photographs for The Rising. And and man, I'll tell you, the, the, from the very get-go, what I loved about Bruce was that he was very involved in the project. He looked over all the photographs that I sent him, and he yeah. always chose like yeah. a lot of the more abstract and sort of like, like vibey ones, as well as the simple mm-hmm. portraits. And they used a lot of photos. They created a great little booklet for the rising. That was uh, actually a yeah. big uh, booklet. It was small, but it was dense with a mm-hmm. lot of images. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they asked me to to shoot a sh- little short film. And they said, "Come to the to the farm. Right. We want you to film Bruce playing some of these new songs off this record." And I was like, "Man, that's amazing!" So I went down, and I honestly hadn't had a lot of like obvious success in filmmaking i was a photographer but i had made some films and and that and so i shot that and it was cool it was like myself and my producer and a handful of camera operators and production people and it was just bruce sitting in a chair in this like great building and you know this great room with killer light and Mm -hmm. we you know i interviewed him he told me the story about where he was at the time in his head how creatively and Mm -hmm. how he writes for different characters it was really Mm -hmm. cool but let's let's yeah, talk for, let's yeah. talk a minute about your filmmaking career. Let's talk for a minute about the Let's Play Two, the Pearl Jam Chicago Cubs, 2016. So yes. I'm in the I'm lifelong Chicago Cubs fan. I'm in the middle of like this playoff <laughs> frenzy where we're smelling it, like there's blood in the water. We're like this might actually really be it. Just getting our hopes up again, maybe to be dashed, maybe not. And I, you know, I'm going to all those games at Wrigley, and in this crowded sidewalk on I'm not sure it was on Clark. All of a sudden, I just come across like Danny Clinch and a film crew. <laughs> and like, I'm going to my friend's house, you know, like I'm, I would think I was filming something for, for, for Fox Sports or something. I'm going this way, yeah. he's going that way. I'm like, Danny, what do you like? Are you a baseball fan? And then he tells me uh, that, uh, you know, we were asked to come and film uh, two Pearl Jam shows at Wrigley. And of course, you know, Theo shows up and a lot of the, you know, players show up. And of course, Ed is just as, fanatical as you are right and in fact i really didn't know how much of a fan he was you know uh or you until that moment where i was like okay this is going down right it's a disease it's a disease uh, (laughs) so what they played two shows they were incredible shows we filmed them uh with the great crew and so we we decided that i said oh the cubs are going on a run like this is kind of cool and like i said to kelly curtis their manager i was like you know, if, if they go on the run, you know, this is going to be part of our story. And he was like, yeah, right. You know? And so sure enough, they're going on the run, it's going, it's going, it's going. And, you know, we did the shows, we were starting to cut our concert thing together. And we had a nice little story about Ed growing up outside of Chicago and good things going on there. And we had found some killer footage from Kevin, uh, one of the guys in, in Ed's crew who went or rolled around with them of Ed going there when he was really young. And so I finally, I said to Ed, I said, listen, this is happening. And I, I really, I want to come out and film. Like we got to film, you know, this, this process and hope for the best. Right. And he's like, well, I'm going out there. And, uh, you know, if you can find me, you can find me, you can film. <laughs> I was like, oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and of course, uh, 
of course, I just showed up. And really, I showed up with me and my buddy, Josh Goldman, who's uh, my, my DP I use all the time. And him and I with cameras, I would get the intimate stuff, you know, because I wanted Ed to be comfortable. I would hang out. I had a very, very, you know, small but good camera. And, uh, and then my buddy Josh was going around the community, around the neighborhood, filming in, at people's houses, filming in yep. bars, filming in people's garages, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. And so game six, and like my daughter is a senior in high school. It's Halloween. She's in the Halloween parade. And so I have to be there, right? So I'm yes. like, okay, I left Josh in Chicago. And so if the Cubs win, I'm going to Cleveland, Right. So I'm at the parade, I'm watching the game, I'm like, <laughs> you know, and they win. And I'm like, holy cow. And I like get on a plane the next day, I grab my camera, I go to Cleveland, and I'm at game seven of the World Series. I'm just kind of trailing Ed, just following him around, and he's like a little kid, he's just giddy. And we, I run into you. In fact, I hadn't, the band, I had some interview footage of Ed talking about baseball and stuff, but like... I hadn't really gotten to him, you know, and here we are game seven. And I'm like, Ed, we just have to talk about what, what we're experiencing right now. And so he and I go into the bathroom at that big suite that we were in, right? It was like the owner's suite. And Ed and I go into the bathroom. People think we're doing drugs. And I'm like, <laughs> and he's just tells, you know, he goes through uh, his feelings at the time, which made for a great piece in the film. And, uh, and I end up, I'm sitting literally behind home plate with Theo and Eddie and uh, Theo's wife and, and his son uh, were going to come down later. So, so I'm sitting in her seat. I'm in the front row. And all of a sudden, my phone starts blowing up. They're like, are you, wait, is that your hat behind the, pit, the, the catcher in the World Series? And, you know, so we go through the whole thing, through the rain delay, through the whole thing. And... Literally, it happens, and I run out there with Ed, and he just falls down at home plate, you know. And it really was – it was something that um, was so incredible to me, and it's, it's just a great example of the life experiences that I've continued to have through my photography. And the fact that I, I was able to be there for that and to film it and capture it, and, you know, I just uh, – it's just really kind of mind-blowing. And so – that, of course, was the ending of our film. And, uh, you know, it was and we called it Let's Play 2 uh, because of Ernie Banks and his love, uh, you know, for a double header. And uh, and it really was uh, it was an epic time. Thanks for asking me about that. <laughs> Danny Clinch is really a not just a renaissance photographer, but a renaissance man. He's a filmmaker about baseball. He is a cover shooting photographer. He's also a very talented musician. In his own right, an excellent harmonica player who has a great band called the Tangier Blues Band that I've jammed with. Yes. Yes, which I've enjoyed. Yes, you have. <laughs> I remember doing that uh, gallery show yeah. in New York City at the Milk Gallery, yeah. and we were having our after party. And I asked you, I said, oh, Tom's in town. Let me see if you'll want to come and sit in with the band. And you were like, you know, I'm busy and I, I, I definitely want to come. I'm not sure if I'll be able to play or not. And I was like, hey, just come on down and hang, you know. And then a couple hours went by, and I and I, I got a call that you were saying like, well, I think I'm going to bring my guitar. <laughs> and we were like, well, shit, all right. Twist my arm, twist and, my uh, arm. Yeah, yeah. Man, yeah. that was that was an epic night. It was it awesome. Was, it was so much fun. I love that I venue you. too. It was like one of those, yeah. like an old, like like low ceiling, packed wall to wall, mm -hmm. just like a sweaty great yeah. gig. You know, like it was <laughs> awesome. 
It was great. It was awesome. Sometimes I think that my fact that I do play music and, and photograph musicians, I feel like there is sometimes a connection there. Yeah. Photographing people and they just kind of feel like a kinship. Yeah. And it, you know, with another guy yeah, who plays music. You know, maybe that's the th- maybe that's the, th- the secret sauce that we didn't that we didn't touch on is like you have musicians DNA, you know, which a lot of photographers do not. And so there's sort of a shared recognition and familiarity in like your vibe, which which is different from other yeah. photographers. And it's it may be that you're we're not just comfortable being around you because you're a photographer, we're comfortable being around you because you're a fellow musician. And that makes the photography part come that much easier. Yeah. Thanks very much. Perfect. Great to see you, Danny. Thanks very All much. Right. Un- until next time. Right on. Take it easy, but take it. Let foes of justice tremble. This has been Tom Morello's Maximum Firepower. Hear this episode again or listen to past shows right now on the Sirius XM app. Search Maximum Firepower.